0: It's good to see everybody today. Um, thank you for having me up here again. Uh, like Pastor Doug st- said, we uh, started with a message last week that I titled Return to Paradise. And um, I'm thankful that we don't have to wait until we die to get to paradise. You know, that we can experience it at this moment today. The garden is within us and that we, can, we have access to it whenever uh, we want. And so I started off the message last week and I'm just going to kind of recap a couple of the main points uh, I started off with the Gospel of John. It's, it's my favorite gospel. It, it really just captures what I think is so important, and John realized how important origin is. You know, uh, a- anything that he could have started off, that here's, here's the, the, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, and, you know, it just, I, I think of all the different ways that John could have started off a lot of his letters, and he just says, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he goes back to origin. And I think that's so important because I think sometimes we, we, uh, we automatically want to just make our uh, natural birth, uh, we're a product of that. Like it was just kind of like a mistake that, you know, maybe it wasn't the ideal circumstances, but we, were, we come in, our origin starts there. But that's not what the word says. The word says that before you were in the womb, I knew you. Uh, that we were chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. That there was always been a purpose in our life, no matter which way or how we came into this world, there was always a purpose that was before the foundations of the earth. God always had this, uh, this purpose, and Paul realized this. Paul referred to this as the mystery, uh, that be- before God ever created, he had the divine purpose, and that divine purpose was communion with us. We are created for that purpose. So, uh, you know, the, I, 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 the mystery and the purpose, it's, it's really twofold. There's the eternal kind of mystery, that, that whole plan for the Trinity, that dance we talked about within their, uh, their communion and their fellowship, the paracoresis love that they just pour into each other in this love bed of the Trinity. Uh, there's, there, there's their plan purposed in him, it says in Ephesians, before the foundations of the earth. And then there's the setting forth of that purpose uh, that we're going to get to in a second. So so we look at that. Again, we go back to our origin. And it's, you know, it's funny that sometimes when we hear, you know, a a person acts a certain way or does something or, or we make a mistake or, you know, whatever sin we might do and we say, well, they're just being human. Well, That's actually being less than human because we were found in original innocence before we were found in the fall of Adam. To be human is to be Christian. Jesus is the creator. We were made in his image. And that was always what he had for us. He wasn't taken off guard by Adam's sin. I think sometimes we think that Adam fell and then God was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I made this creation. I wanted to be in the garden with these naked vegetarians, but now I can't do it anymore, so I got to go send my son. But that's not what the word says. The the Bible says that we were chosen in him. Christ is the blueprint. He is the original blueprint for us. And he came to us to reveal our humanity. So... If we could start off with, let's see here, let's go with uh, Ephesians one, one through twelve. It's going to take me further. I'm just going to read it off here. Uh, so, uh, you know, Paul is uh, teaching to the Ephesians, and this is uh, what a lot of theologians consider the highest epistle of Paul. It's, uh, there's, a, there, there's some deep stuff here in this epistle. There's a lot of mystery in it. And he uses the mystery, the word mystery, mysterion, which has become one of my favorite words. Because I realize that all of the mysteries are in the mystery Christ. It's, it's funny, it says a lot of times the mysteries of the kingdom in different gospel writers, and then Mark says the mystery of the kingdom. Paul refers to Jesus as the mystery. All the unsearchable riches, the depths of the knowledge of God, it's all within Christ. And we have fellowship with the mystery. We have access to this. It's not something that we got to climb into. It's something that we have fellowship with. And this God who wants to disclose himself to us, became flesh. The word became flesh, as we'll talk about later. So, uh, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. This was decided before. Again, within the Trinity, they always wanted to create And sweep this creation into their uh, love bed of the Trinity. That is the divine purpose. That is the mystery from eternal. Okay? Uh, That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So now we see the setting forth of that purpose in Christ. So the the Trinity has planned this from time before, before creation that we want to create uh, humanity, and we want to sweep it into the Trinity, and so the, the, the purpose is set forth in Jesus, the, uh, who Paul often refers to as Jesus is the mystery, so he is the accomplishment of this, okay, the, he, well, we'll get there later, okay, so basically, so this is the divine purpose, and with the fall of Adam, as we talked about, we, we have this, uh, this kind of obscuring of who God really is. And Adam falls, and uh, immediately because how he feels after the fall, and his guilt, and his uh, insecurity, and his kind of wishy-washy decision that he made, he ends up to looking at God and painting God with that same kind of insecurity that he had. And he paints a very distorted image of God. And man becomes alienated in their minds. God was, as the song said, God has been pursuing us the entire time. Paul said, we've been alienated in our own minds. We've been estranged from God. We've been the one hiding in the bushes. And God's been pursuing us ever since. And what, they've, what man has done in that estrangement is to try to build a tower to get back to God. Through works, through religion, through, you know, sacrifices, whatever it is. They're trying to build this uh, bridge to try to uh, climb up into this this." god that they've become estranged from and so uh what god ultimately ends up doing is you know he, he makes covenants with them and, and with abraham and eventually he's, he's got to kind of speak on their level so he sends them the law and you know and the law they immediately by the way when the law is uh given they break the first commandment and then two thousand of them end up dead and you think about that when, when the Spirit is shed forth and 2,000 are saved, you know, in, in, the, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. It kind of uh, compares those two different experiences. When the law is given, death comes. When the Spirit is given, life comes. So, if we could uh, go ahead to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. So, again, so the law has been given and it's, it's by the time we get to some of the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, uh, they start seeing something different. They start seeing that this is not what God had as the best for them. God's plan is always that the new comes out of the old. Okay, the law, the old covenant, uh, out of that would come the new and the new covenant, and the old man would become the new man and the first Adam, and then the last Adam. This was always his plan. It's one seamless thought. It's not him making corrections along the way and just coming up with this stuff. And so he's trying to speak on their language with law for a while, but they're really struggling under this law, and they're, and they're, they're not experiencing God's best. So the uh The prophets start seeing something different uh, with the mind of God, and they i, I mean whether they 're seeing it or not in their own minds they 're speaking it forth and uh they, you know when when you look at the hebraic uh kind of uh connotation of of the word it 's a lot more than just a word on a page it's it's god in action it's, it's it's a spoken word uh creating historical event and shaping the destiny and history of the israelites it 's a very loaded meaning for it and so the So as this is happening, we got to see that the word has always been on the path to incarnation. Eventually, it's going to be set forth, okay? And so it says, uh, Jeremiah 31, okay, 33, Uh, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, "Know the Lord," for they all shall know me from the least of all, for the for they all I'm sorry, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For, I will for forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. So we kind of see this this start developing in, in the minds of the Israelites and of the prophets that the external law on the outside uh, just kind of Cold law, words on the wall that they're trying to uh, b- develop a relationship with God behaviorally uh, by climbing this kind of uh, hamster wheel of religion is not working. And he's like, and God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you where I'm going to put this inside of you. And I'm going to put this law, these, th- these pre- precepts and all of that, I'm going to put inside of you. So if we could go to Isaiah 55, and we're going to look at 8 through... 11, 8 through 11. So, how is God going to do this here? Okay, it starts off 8, and I think this has been used so many times, but this is really interesting to me how I've been looking at this uh, much differently lately. Uh, we start off with 8 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so I think we see here like this, uh, uh, you know, we've, we quote this a lot, that, you know, we could never know God, okay? Uh, Jesus even said that. He goes to the biggest religionist of his day, says, none of you know God. We could never climb into a knowledge of God through uh, our own ability. It only can be by a sheer act of grace. So we have this, uh, st- st- this kind of uh, scripture here that's saying that, There's no way that we could ever know God when he's up there and he's not, you know, descending into human form. But then it starts off at 10. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, then it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So who is the word? Jesus. Okay, so something happens with the incarnation where this law takes on the form of flesh. This, this, this word that is carrying on through the Old Testament, it says the word becomes flesh. It's kind of an interesting way of saying it. We've, I think uh, often we think that just means that the word is going to become a man, which is true. It took on uh, the... Uh, the flesh of a man, but it says that it was going to penetrate our humanity, and it was going to imprint this law into us within the incarnation of Christ. And so just as God says, my word that I send forth from, from my mouth, it's going to permeate the creation, and uh, it's going to accomplish what I set it out to do and raise it back up to the Father. It will not return to me void. Okay, so when what we kind of see going on here is this mystery, this, this kind of a... Uh, the union that God always wanted to do, he sets forth in Jesus the mystery. Jesus is the union with God and man. He's fully God. He's fully man. Within his incarnation, when he was set forth, born of a woman, born under the law, he is union with God and man within his person. Paul said that, he taught that, uh, I know, I determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And we separated the being of Christ, uh, and, and, and what he did in his life. And, you know, we just kind of have made it a, a little bit like of a transaction, you know, like, uh, uh, he's not imputing sin to you anymore, which is true, but it's so much deeper than that. He, he, uh, if, it, you know, there, there's a saying among theologians that they say that, uh, uh, Jesus was born out of the virgin womb, and then he was raised out of the virgin tomb. You know, he was born uh, of Mary the virgin. He was raised in a, uh, for, or buried in a tomb where no man had been laid before. And it's two signs that he's showing. He's showing that uh, in the in the birth, the virgin birth, that he's showing a continuity with our sinful man. He stepped into our sinful man. He stepped into that estrangement in our minds without sin. Without sin, he stepped into that. And he is basically redeeming it. His whole life, he's redeeming that event and bringing everything that's of the Adamic fall. And he's bringing it to the cross and nailing it to the cross. And then when he comes out of the tomb, the new, the, the new creation starts. Uh, just as uh, Adam was born out of the dust of the earth, he comes out of the dust of the grave and a new creation has started. So the word be- became flesh, and this, this uh, uh, Jesus penetrated our humanity. And, you know, like I said, he, uh, he, was, he identified with us. It says that he's, he, uh, in Hebrews, he's not, he, he can uh, sympathize with those to the uttermost because, you know, he's experienced this in our flesh, yet without sin. And so his whole life is redeeming event. Uh, his, uh, so anyways, let's... Uh, When the word becomes flesh, okay, uh, we we think of this as like a, if you would think about a composer, and he was creating a musical piece, the final destination of that piece is not just to sit on a piece of paper, you know? The final destination is for that that music to just continue through the ages, uh, to be played And uh, for people to just to echo in their mind and for them to experience it and to live it. And then it goes to the next generation and the next generation. This is a living gospel. We are living epistles. This is inside of us. Uh, Jesus uh, took everything that was of the Adamic line and he nailed it to the cross. And now we have this new creation realities that we can walk in. And that we have access to fully. Because of what he did. Nothing that we could do. We could never climb into the trinity. We can never climb into the Trinity uh, through works or through whatever, whichever way we would try, and that's a good thing because it's the sheer act of grace. If we could go quickly to uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven, and so this is Jesus speaking about th- this, this kind of exclusive circle. You know, Him being the only begotten. Uh, the eternal word, uh, who was always in fellowship with the Father. And he talks about this exclusive circle. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So this is a sheer act of grace. When, when, When Jesus is talking about this exclusive relationship that he has with the Father, he says that no, no one knows the Son and no one knows the Father except who I show, choose to let into this circle. And that is the mystery. That is the plan of God that he wanted to bring us through Jesus' incarnation into harmony in this Trinity. Jesus, again, they call it it's, it's, uh, his, his being is union, right? And his very being, he's fully God and he's fully man and he's combining these two in eternal union in this relationship uh, with the Father. So in a lot of ways, we really, you know, I think that we try to uh, strive so much to learn more about God, and, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, 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 I did it for so long, and, but it was always just such a, like, I, I feel so distant from Him, and I try, and I, and I, and I try to uh, get closer to Him, and I just constantly feel this distance, and, and the, the thing is, is that I, see, I now see that we've been made accepted in the Beloved, We've been accepted in his relationship with the Father. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I I am well pleased. So we look at the life of Christ in his perfect obedience, his perfect response to God, uh, doing the will of the Father, only doing what the Father does, only saying what the Father says, and and living this life of uh, perfect communion with the Father, and we've been invited to participate in that uh, perfect communion. That's good news. He, we've been accepted into that. And uh, a great way that I heard it explained um, is uh, so that this uh, modern theologian, his name is Baxter Kruger. And he explained that one time he was sitting, he was watching an Ole Miss uh, college football game. And he was kind of had this room off to the side where he was by himself and he was watching the football game. And uh, he's kind of sitting there getting ready for the game by himself. All of a sudden, one, uh, his son comes in and he's totally decked out and he's got like camouflage on his, his face got camo painted on it he's got like arrows on his back and fake guns and grenades and one of his friends dressed up the same way uh Kruger said he's never seen this other kid before he has no idea who he is you know and they just run in and they attack him and they're throwing grenades bouncing them off his head and shooting him with fake arrows and He's just, like, sitting there, like, uh, uh, laughing, and he's enjoying it, and, they're, and they're, they're wrestling, and they're having all of this fun, and they end up in a big pile in the middle of the room, and uh, Baxter said that he heard God, the Holy Spirit speak to him in that moment. He said, pay attention to this, and so he was kind of started thinking about it after, and he's like, what if, what if that, uh, what if that friend had just, you know, knocked on the door, knocked on the front door, and no, no one answered, they, you know, whatever, he could, he came in on his own, and he walked past that room without his, his uh, Baxter's son. He might have looked in and seen this older guy there. He might have not known who he was. He might assume he's his father, uh, you know, but he doesn't really know. And he certainly wouldn't go in and, and immediately start conversing this, with this guy he never saw before or playing with him, with you know. But because the son has seen the father... And has played with the Father and knows the nature of the Father and how good the Father is and how, how he knows Him perfect, the, his friend gets to participate in this perfect relationship that he has. So, this is what we get, this is what we've been made a part of. It's, there, there, there is no striving this. We get to participate in Jesus' perfect relationship with the Father. This is really good news. I, I'm glad that my personal relationship with God includes Him because I can go to God on His merits. And I can participate in what he's done. And not every time now I sin, fall back and say, oh, I, I God, I, got I, I can't go near you. I feel so distant. I'm sorry. I mean, remember, re- repentance, it means going to the high place. Going to the high place and co-knowing and seeing you the way God sees you. And so it's, it's, it's just going to that place, you know, and, and participating in this perfect communion that Jesus has uh, that Jesus has with his father. It's just, uh, it's changed my life. It's really changed my life. I, I used to beat myself up so much. And, you know, like I, I, I had this relationship with God that, re, you know, w- 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 as long as the, the, the law is taught, the law of Moses, there remains a veil over the eyes. And you can't see Jesus. You, ca- you can't see what you have. And you just continue to live in this distance, in this blindness. Uh, and, you know, It keeps God at a distance, and you keep on trying to climb back. And if you're doing good, uh, you you know, you you feel a lot better, you feel a lot closer, but the moment you don't, you jump back out, and then it's a back and forth, and it's all based on you. And we've got something far better than that in Jesus. We live out of his perfect relationship with God. Stepping into our humanity and redeeming it and raising it back up to the Father. And everything that was of Adam, it's nailed to the cross. You know Jesus is the creator, okay? Jesus is the creator. Right? It says that uh, in uh, Col- or yeah, Colossians one sixteen seventeen. If we could go there, Col- Colossians one sixteen seventeen. For by him, he's referring to Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. It's referring, again, it's referring to Jesus. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So this is the eternal word, the creator, that has created everything. Nothing has come forth except from him, the creator. And uh, now you have this word being made flesh and stepping into the creation to make a new creation. So the creator is now actually making a new creation from within our humanity. And he's not doing it outside or, you know, he's actually working this thing out within our own humanity. Now you know if, if if we could just I'm just going to go to a couple of scriptures. You know, like what, what I what I talked about last week was, uh, you know, we we're, we are under the new covenant, and I, I I was under the new covenant for you know almost 20 years, but I really believed in a 3D gospel, a gospel of distance, a gospel of delay, and a gospel of deficit. That God's way off in the distance. So whenever he's off in the distance, there's something that you got to do to try to bridge that gap. And re- it only and religion just keeps on enforcing that distance. It doesn't do anything to get you closer. It only enforces that there's a, de- a separation that doesn't really exist. Uh, a delay that everything was off sometime in the future, you know... Uh, I don't know, for whatever it was, whatever breakthrough I needed, I was just, you know, constantly living, looking ahead and problem focused and when's my breakthrough going to come through and when's it, it's, it's not going to be next week, maybe it'll be next year, maybe it'll be, you know, whatever, next job, whatever, constantly looking ahead and always trying to fix myself up because I thought there was all of this deficit here because I was always looking within myself for righteousness. Well, I was righteous last week because I, I did things pretty good, but, you know, I've kind of lost that this week because I, I, I made a mistake and, uh, you know, kind of developing my own righteousness. And Paul had something to say about his own righteousness, cause, cause, called it a pile of crap. Sorry. Uh, that's, that's what he said. He says, I, I, I count it all dung, you know, and that was a pretty harsh statement that he made, but it, that's what he said. And he said that uh, to the Galatians that were trying to go back to that pile, you're foolish. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you from the grace who has caused you to go back to this, this uh, law that you have been set free from? And so, you know, it's, that's the, the gospel that I really lived for so long, was this one of uh, distance, delay, unfinished business. And it kind of uh, set me in this kind of uh, perpetual, you know, uh, hamster wheel. So if we could just look at a couple of scriptures that, when, you know, would really emphasize when this union was done and how it was done. It was, again, Jesus is Our union with God he didn't say I'm gonna teach you the truth I'm gonna show you the way I'm going to give you life and he did all of those things but he says I am the way I am the truth and I am the life this was done in the incarnation this is what is this is why Paul taught Christ is the message not only did he come teaching a message his very being is the message it is union it is salvation it is redemption. It, it's, it's everything. Every, that is the mystery. Everything has been done. It is finished. It's been forged in the, and anchored in eternity because Jesus is fully God, the word eternally from the Father, and he became one like man. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. And he came down, and he came into his creation, and he made a new creation, and he raised us back up to the Father. OK, so uh, if we could just look at uh, John fourteen twenty in the NIV, I, I, I use some different translations. But this is uh, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. Uh, you know, uh, at, at some point, I don't know what part of the story this is, but he says on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. He says one day you're going to open your eyes. And you're going to see this. You're going to see that the very kingdom is within you before he went to the cross. You know, he went to uh, uh, Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus is saying all this stuff. Uh, Yeah, now I'm going to start giving everything that I ripped off. I'm going to give back money and all this. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. Because Jesus was there. He he could say that salvation has come today. He he said the resurrection is not some time off in the future. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is all in this person, and, and, and this, this is just good news. This is, you know, when we talk about, like, the Old Testament, and you see all of these covenants and remnants, and, uh, you know, first it was uh, the, the, I don't know, I'm probably going to do the pretty poor at this, but I'm just, you know, like the Abrahamic covenant, and, you know, and then, you know, gets to the days of Noah, and, ah, oh, no, we're going to whittle that down, and then it's Israel, but, uh, you know, Israel messed up, then it's Judah, and we kind of see this funnel going all the way down, and to, It's not no longer Israel. It's the one true Israelite. He is the predestined one. He is the chosen one for humanity. He is both the electing God and the electing elected man. But he's chosen all of us in Him. This, this Paul uses in Christ over 160 times. You are, you know, uh, He's become uh, to us uh, redemption and, and sanctification and all of these things in Christ. And it, it, he, that's the phrase that he uses. He saw this unity. If we could go to Ephesians 2.5. This is uh, in the Passion Translation. Ephesians 2.5 in the Passion Translation. Well, let's see when this was done. When we were good enough? Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. When we were estranged, when we were distant, when we were running away, this is when he did this. And now we have a hard time going before the father when we've been redeemed and we've been reconciled and we have a harder time doing it then than when we were first living our, in our sins and he did that for us. So, you know, what, what, what we see in Jesus, again, I, I, I just live out of his perfect relationship with God. He was the perfect response to the father. G- He rifle talked about this a couple months ago, the covenant that God made with himself. This is not in in the incarnation, Jesus Christ is fulfilling both the God to man covenant, and he's speaking the word and he's revealing the Father to man, and he's also revealing or in as fully man, he's hearing the word and he's responding to it. And he's a covenant forged within the incarnation. That's good news. Okay, that uh, he's, he's, he's the perfect response to the Father. He lived the perfect life of obedience. By his obedience, many were made righteous. So we, we try to develop these things on our own, and Jesus has already done it. And he just wants us to participate in that. And I promise you, when you see this and you participate in it, you will really start walking these things out. Yeah. Faith comes before the manifestation. But it's not creating the manifestation. It's only revealing uh, something that already existed. So I, I so we, we I wanted to just go through a couple of these scriptures that are some of my favorites of what we have again on our own no in Christ okay that's where we have to see ourselves we have to we have to put out, we 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 have His righteousness we're clothed in it He He and it's it's all an act of grace and we, when we open our eyes to this we start walking this uh, ourselves so if you could see uh, Colossians 2.10 in the Passion translation I'm just going to go through a couple of verses in our own completeness is now found in Him. I said last week, you can't grow in completeness, you can only grow in your awareness of it. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe, so we're complete in Christ. Not looking at ourselves, the sacraments that, you know, the sacraments were always to take our eyes off ourselves and focus on the bread of life and to see our uh, death and resurrection in His death and resurrection to take our eyes off of ourselves and trying to find righteousness and trying to find holiness in ourselves because of what we did and didn't do, it's all wrapped up in him, and we're in him because of what God did. By, uh, by, by an act of God, are you in Christ Jesus? You could never do this on your own. None of us could. And that's awesome because we get to live again uh, over what he did. So if we could go to uh, John one sixteen, and I think, uh, I, I think Brian read this this morning. And of his fullness, we have all received, great and grace for grace. R- Rifle taught a message before. You know, when we say we're full, and then we try to f- uh, f- fit in more dessert afterwards. You know, I'm so full. But we, then we try to f- fill in uh, more dessert afterwards. That we have all, all of the fullness of the Godhead is within us. We, we are the tabernacles now, okay? The, the, the meeting place of God and man. That that's what we carry. That's what we're packing. Okay. Uh, let's go to, uh, and this is in the King James v version, Hebrews ten fourteen. And this one, this one, sometimes people have a hard time with. But again, this is this this is a, I mean, this is turning our eyes off of us. We we, we could never accomplish these things, but we get, we get to live out of them. Uh, we're gonna go to uh, Hebrews. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By his offering, Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the atonement given by God. He, in the Old Testament, the atonement, both the uh, human to Godward and the Godward back to human, it was all prescribed by God. This is how I want you to do it. Now we go to the New Testament. This is Jesus' life. In his incarnation, that he's fully God and he's fully man, working both sides of the covenant, communicating God to us and at the same time obeying it for us. That's what Jesus did. That's why Paul said Christ is the message. That's why he's the mystery. He is our union with God within his incarnation. Uh, So then if we would go to, and this has uh, become one of my favorite ones. Uh, If we would go to, uh, well, I'm just going to do two quickly and then elaborate on one. So how do, like, so? if we have all of these things, so sometimes we think like, okay, it says that we're sanctified. It says that we're, we're perfect. It says that, uh, you know, we're redeemed, uh, holy, wh- whatever. It says all of these things about us. So what do we do with that? Because sometimes it, you don't see that, you know, and you, may, you make mistakes and, and you do these things. So how do we start living this thing out? Well, let's look at Philemon 1, 4 through 6. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. Acknowledging every good thing which is in you. In Christ. So, what that word effective is actually, uh, I'm horrible at Greek, so just bear with me. Energies. Where we get energized, okay? That's where we get the word energized. So uh, it becomes effective, or it becomes we become energized. Our faith gets built and energized by acknowledging every good thing when we see ourselves in union with Christ in His perfection, His righteousness, His holiness, His re- relationship with the Father, and we realize that that's been bought by Him for us. The gospels are all about Jesus. Jesus is all about you. You need to really start seeing what was going on in this incarnation. I mean, when we were co-crucified with him, I mean, wh- how did that happen? W- did we just like jump into him in that moment? And then, ju- I mean, this is, this is a very mystical thing. But he, when he stepped into the incarnation, he didn't just come to do something for humanity. That would have been good enough, but it's far better than that. He came to do something as humanity. He brought us to the cross. He brought our old man there. Remember, he's the creator. All life is sustained by him. In him was the light of life. We were chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. We preexisted our natural birth. And he brought that in his incarnation all the way to the cross. Everything that was of the Adamic line. And he cut it short there. And he raised us anew. So uh, now we, I, I, we'll go to uh, 2 Peter One, one through nine. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm just gonna uh, not go through the benediction, but uh, so we'll just start at three because this is the best part anyway. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he has been given, uh, he have which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. We can continue. That through these, we've been made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This verse used to really get me. This is one uh, one of my favorite epistles, Peter, and uh, this verse used to really get me, uh, because it comes off to me as very worksy, that you have to try to do these things, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, oh no, add to your faith virtue, and then, you know, it, it used to perceive this as building these things up that you don't have. Okay, now this is where it's really interesting. The word ad, English kind of makes me laugh sometimes. But the word ad actually is a combination of a very long word. Epikoregeo. Epikoregeo is the word that we have uh, in English uh, ad up there. So what does this word mean? Epe, it's a position over indicating continual influence upon. Quare, where we get the word Choir or orchestra, choir, orchestra, ago, as a shepherd leads, to lead, so this is like a conductor of music, it's like a music conductor, so remember what Philemon said, once you start acknowledging these things, it's like you're, it's putting together a symphony, all this stuff is within you, and you start, sorry if I'm, anybody is actually a conductor, it's gonna be really bad, but, you know, as, as you, you are, you are the great conductor of all these things, that Jesus has put in you and is living within you and you start realizing this and opening your eyes to it and renewing your mind to it and you become this choreographer that's making this beautiful symphony inside all of you wow. for this very reason giving all diligence epicure, start conducting add to your faith virtue and you and, and and then there's the woodwinds and then it gets louder a little bit louder let's add the I don't know the brass knowledge and you start adding knowledge into that self-control, and self-control, and the and the music is rising, and it's coming together, and all the parts of the symphony are starting to forge into this beautiful musical piece. And by the crescendo, for if are uh, to, for per- perseverance, God leads to godliness, brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness, love, which is really everything that God is about. He is love, and then we, we're we're walking in love, and we're not. Uh, you know, when we're, we're like, it's a really interesting uh, saying by one of the patristic fathers. He said, Preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. Because we are the epistles, we are the living epistles. I, I, I spoke to a lot of people, a lot of gospel, without having any connection to them, any compassion on them, and it went nowhere. But if we are living in this and we're walking in love, Jesus, every time he healed someone, he was moved with compassion. And he started, and, and, he, and he touched the lepers, and he identified with them, and he, and he stepped into their, their humanity and groaned in his spirit because as he's doing that, he's bearing their sickness. We'll start looking up how many times he groaned when he's praying for people, and he's healing people, and he's ministering to people. He's, he's sucking the sin right off of them and bearing it in his own flesh because he's about to take it to the cross. Look it up. He groaned quite a lot. He groaned in his spirit. He, he was bearing... The sin of humanity all the way to the cross. The cross is the finality. It's the consummation of everything he was doing in his life. Beating back with strong tears. Suffering under our flesh but without sin and redeeming it back to the Father. Making a new creation. We are new creations. We don't got to try anymore. We are new creations. Because of what he did. So we start composing this beautiful musical piece, and it rises, and it rises, and it brings it all together. And, you know, like I said, it's like that we start living this thing, and we become epistles. And people see, that, see this. I used to be miserable. I, as a Christian, I <laughs> used to be miserable. used to hate coming to church. used to really doubt God, and I had this distance from him. And how do I, how do, I do this? And, you know, people are happy. I'm like, oh, why are they so happy? <laughs> people laughing how dare you laugh <laughs> but it's like just you know just really hurt like you know just but this this feeling that I wanted it so bad I wanted joy I wanted freedom and I wanted this and I just could not experience it and I just you know I was just so just uh just struggling you know and again the, the veil was over my eyes I didn't see that all this stuff was done in Jesus. Because I still had law. I had, I, I had a law. I got a little bit less, a little bit less. And But, you know, law and grace equals law. You can't mix the two, you know. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You can't mix grace and law. So, if we could go to... I I just feel like I got to say this one more time. Jesus, our God never planned on us upholding our bargain with the covenant. He sent his son to obey the covenant for us. He is the perfect response to the father. He has the perfect communion with the father. He was in a closed circle and he allows us to participate in that. We can't work our ways into that. We just live out of it in freedom and you're no longer having to you know, whip up yourself into a frenzy, and, you know, I remember somebody, uh, I was at a, a, the call in New York City when I first became a Christian. I, I'm from New York, and I was in Queens, New York at the call, and thousands of people, and I see these people just worshiping and burning with passion, and, and I said to my friend, you know, here I'm, I mean, you know, I was totally out of the world, come from the world, uh, pretty worldly background and all that, but I said, I don't have that, and him being sincere, he said, well, the, the Bible says to love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, man, that, that cut, that cut, and that scripture haunted me, because I, I, I never, I always would, God, I don't, I don't love you, but now to, you know, uh, I had a prayer answered, so now I'm like up, and I, I feel good, and things are going good, I love you, I love you, I love you, but then I start screwing, you know, it's law, you know, that, 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 that scripture, that, and Jesus taught it, it's the law, but remember, Jesus is the schoolmaster, or the law is the schoolmaster to Jesus, He was bringing people to an end of their works so they would be ready to say, oh, my goodness, I need a Savior. That's what he was doing because the the love divine by the New Testament on the other side of the cross, herein is the love of God. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. And you drink that in, and you start loving God. You don't try to love God. You start loving God. Drink in his love for you. Meditate on his love for you, you know? It's all about, and just, you just drink it in, and all of a sudden, you just, it, it's, wow, I feel really good today. God, thank you. You know, it, it, it's just, you know, we're starting at, sorry, we, I was starting at the wrong end. Okay, I was starting at the wrong end and trying to climb into God when I realized that he said it was finished, and I get to live out of that. So let's look at uh, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians three fourteen through 18. But their minds were blinded. Well, it's just talking about uh, the Old Covenant. But their minds were blinded until this day. The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. If we still feel like we're under law and we're reading the Bible, but we still feel like we're under law, a veil is going to remain over your eyes. And it did for years. I mean, I used to, I used to memorize whole books of this. I had, Romans 6 was the first chapter I ever memorized. And I had no idea I was co-crucified with Christ until like two years ago. So it was the first Bible, first Bible chapter I memorized. And I had it in my mind and I would rehearse it. Oh, I've been co-crucified. And man, that's, that sounds really good. But it was so esoteric and so abstract that I didn't see myself nailed to that cross with him. I thought it was just like, ah, it sounds kind of cool. But no, that's, that's our reality. It says in the, tra- the, the Passion Translation in that verse when Paul says, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ, it says by the same nails that crucified him. We were there. A Sheer act of grace, sheer mystery. A lot of mystery with this stuff, but it's the word. And he wants to reveal it to us. He wants to disclose himself to us. He's a, he's a God who, who we could never know. His ways were so much higher than our ways. We could never understand him. And he stepped down, he, like it talks about in uh, Philippians, he condescended into man at, to, so we could understand. He stepped into our humanity, our sinful humanity, without sin, and he, so he could communicate the Father to us. He wants to disclose himself to us, but when we, again, when we're holding on to a view of God, which maybe isn't good or isn't fully, when we're holding on, and he's trying to reveal stuff to us. I got a small hand, sorry. He's trying to reveal more to us of himself, of his grace, his love, his goodness, and we're holding on so much that, again, I, I shared last week, uh, C.S. Lewis called him the great iconoclast, until, he, until somehow this, this idol that we have of God gets smashed in our head, and then we're, we're, we're open, our hands open, before we close him back up again. No, but as we, when we keep our hands open to this God that wants to disclose himself, he shares with us. As, as, as a friend, as a brother, he just communicates this thoughts out of our union that he accomplished in his incarnation. Because great is the mystery, mystery of godliness, God come in the flesh. And stepping in and creating this union that's forged and anchored within the incarnation. The incarnation was not like a 33-year blip on the map and now it's gone. You know who saw this? Stephen. Stephen was the first one to see this. You know when he saw it? He's getting stoned. And he goes into a trance. And he sees God in the heavens. And he's in a trance and he's getting a vision. And he sees uh, God in heaven and the Son of Man seated at the right of hand of God. Not the, not the Son of God, the Son of Man. He sees a flesh and blood human being seated at the right hand of God. And he, and he knows that in that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. And he sees himself there, and he's tranced out when he's getting stoned. And he sees it, and he sees his union. <sighs> son of, one like the son of man. He got, like that is Jesus in his humanity in the suffering servant title for him. And when he ascended to heaven in the book of Acts, he didn't just like Poof, and disappear. He, he ascended. He rose in a bodily form. And the angel said, why are, you, why are you looking at him like that? In the same way he ascended, he's going to come back, flesh and blood, glorified, glorified all right, with eyes, you know, his eyes of fire and his white hair. But even John said, one like the son of man, that same old Jesus, the same yesterday, today and forever, who still love, who still for us in a glorified body. And we're seated right there with him. And we don't have to try to get up there. He elevated us up to that position. We've been co-seated with him, and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Let's just open our eyes and see where we are. This is what he did, all through grace, all through grace, and we get to participate in it. We can reject it. We can reject our non-judgment. We can, you know, we can push it away, and, and you know, we're free to do that because, I mean, that's, God's all about our free will, but, that, but that's what he did. That's an objective reality, and we can reject it all we want, but it doesn't change what happened. Our faith will manifest it, right? <sighs> uh, now I know, right? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know what Ryan Bastards feels like, <sighs> and now I know what he feels like, Uh) Okay, well, all right, I'm going to sidetrack. Okay. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As in a mirror, when you look into the reflection, you see a reality in the mirror, but the deeper reality is what's in you right? When we see Jesus as in a mirror, oh, he's, he's in us. And we start seeing him in our smile. And we start seeing him in our workplace when we're conversing with people. When we're praying for people. When we're loving on our kids or our spouse or, you know, he, he, that's, that's the word become flesh. He wants us to walk in that and to be that. He is the message. It's not something that we try to get transactionally. So we're being transformed in that image. I shared this last week. Transformed is the, the metamorphé. It's uh, from the root metameros, which, which means with form. Hamartia, which is the word, Greek word we get for sin. Ha is a negative. Martia comes from meros as well, without form. You're not acting, you're not acting true to yourself. You're not acting. You're forgetting the rock that you were cut from. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Christ is our blueprint, not Adam. Paul shared this over and over and over and over again. He made examples of how the, 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 only, the only comparison is they came in a representative capacity. That's, that's, that, it stops right there. They both came as, a, as, in, as in Adam, all die, as in Christ shall all be made alive. They came in a representative capacity. But then you say, When the first man, the, the Adam was from the earth, earthy. The second one is the Lord from heaven. The first one, and he goes and he shares something about Adam, the second one is the Lord from, you know. And it's so much more. How much more? How much more in Christ? If we're so willing to accept everything of Adam everything at Adam, and we own it, and we own his sinful nature, and we own his failures, and we say, yeah, we're just acting human. No, 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 that's less than human. We were going to make mistakes. I probably made one yesterday, maybe this morning even. Yeah, I probably did this morning, but <laughs> Christ, is I, Christ is the image. We're the image bearer of Christ, We were found in him before we were lost in Adam. We were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. That's who our real real identity is. And as we behold, as in a mirror, and we see Christ in our acknowledging every good thing that's within ourselves, conducting the beautiful symphony of music that is inside of us, we're transformed into his image. And we start seeing him. I'm going to end today with a Moroccan parable. <laughs> it's a. This is. A <laughs> uh, this. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> this isn't in the Bible, but you know, obviously. So there was this story, of this Moro- the, the, uh, Moroccan take on the uh, the fall story, and uh, in the in the fall story, uh, Eve is being tempted by Satan, by the devil. And he's trying to convince her that Adam has a lover that's more beautiful than her. And she doesn't believe him at first. He's like, no, I'm telling you, Adam has another lover who's more beautiful than you. Eat the fruit, and you'll become more beautiful. Eat the fruit, you'll become more beautiful. Do it yourself, the do-it-yourself tree, the I am not tree. Eat it yourself, and you'll be more beautiful. And so he's like, no, I don't believe you. Go right up in that cave up there, and you'll see her. She's up there, she's waiting. Go up there, and you'll see this, this girl. That's more beautiful than you. And so Eve walks up, the, to, uh, up to the cave, and she peer, appear, or appears inside, and she walks in. And she sees herself in a reflection pool. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't recognize who she's looking at, and she sees someone more beautiful, and she doesn't think it's her. And, and then she goes, and she eats of the fruit. She didn't recognize who she was. And the, 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 the parable ends with the saying, he who is not deceived by the reflection in the mirror remains in paradise. The garden is within us. It says uh, in Song of Solomon, I've come, I used to it used to be probably my least favorite book of the Bible when I was reading it under legalism. It's become my favorite because it's all about Intimacy. And it's all about us, you know. Uh, I am dark, and the, the 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 bride or was that? Well, the Shulamite bride says that. Who's the shepherd? Is that what? I don't know. Anyways, you get the point. Uh, <laughs> I I I am dark, but you are lovely. I am darker than the you know whatever whatever, but you are lovely. And he's trying to convince her the whole book. He's trying to convince her of. You're my bride. You're, you, you know, you, we're, we're going to become one. It ends with unity. But we can return to paradise right now or remain if we're already there. So it says in Song of Songs, chapter 6, 2 through 3 in the Passion Translation. If you haven't read it in the Passion Translation, I would highly recommend it. I would highly recommend it. It distinguishes because it can be a very confusing book. You don't know who's saying what. Uh, if you read it in the Passion Translation, it's... Uh, um, red print for the, uh, the prophetic shepherd uh, in, in, the, in the story. And you start seeing Jesus in it and what the parable or the story was all about in the first place. So, uh, Song of Songs 6 2 through 3. And this is the Shulamite Ma- bride speaking. My lover has gone down into his garden of delight. Where's his garden of delight? The place where his spices grow to feast with those pure in heart. I know we shall find him there. He is within me. I am his garden of delight. I have him fully, and now he fully has me. We have, we have the fullness of the Godhead living inside of us. We have rivers of living water living inside of us. Jesus always pointed people to their completeness. He didn't say, "Ah, uh, you know, yeah, I'll heal you now, but you better, you know, you better try to add to this. He didn't say, it is finished, but, you know, we still need to do a lot more. No, he said it is finished, and the more we try to add to that, I would say the more antichrist it becomes. It's a strong statement, but look at the context that John says it. Any, any man who says that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh is the spirit of antichrist, because a lot of Gnosticism was going on, and they thought that he was like a specter or a spirit or something, but couldn't Because this was all in uh, Greek paganism, that they believed in uh, what Plato taught, that the, the natural world is, uh, is sinful, and the material world is sinful, but the spirit is good. There's no way Jesus could have come in the flesh. Any man who says that he's not, uh, Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Because if he didn't come in the flesh, if he didn't bear his sinful flesh, if he didn't nail it to the cross, then we still have this flesh that we need to get rid of, and we need to add to his work. It is finished. Jesus came to end dualism. He came to bring the eternal to the temporal and mix it together. He came to bring divinity to humanity. He came to, uh, I mean, and we we never lose our distinction as humans. That's the the, the mystery of the union. He's fully God and he's fully man without mixing together. And they don't take away from each other. They complement each other and they work in synergy with each other. And that's what we have. We have a, a redeemed will. And when we start seeing clear, we see what we are. We see what we're called to. We see, and we've been so problem-focused and mysteries-focused that we're looking uh, for this problem. How do I fix this? 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 We have the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And when we start kind of unpacking what we have in him, All of these things, these keys start opening up in our lives. You know, Thomas Merton, he said, uh, the artist turns into himself to create. The contemplative turns into God to be created. And the more we start turning into what he's done, into his finished work, into uh, what he did in his perfect response to the Father, in his perfect relationship, his perfect circle that he allowed us to participate in, we just are free to love We're free to love God. We don't don't have to be conned into it and have our arm twisted by the law anymore. This is what you have to do because he did this for you and you gotta feel bad and you gotta feel guilty and you're trying to love God and you're trying and you're trying. Jesus was the perfect prescribed atonement. He was the perfect response to the Father. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we share in that. We share in that adoption. We've been accepted in the beloved. We can, if we, and I promise you, I, if when we start seeing that, my whole life has changed. I used to struggle so much with sin and, and all of this. I, I, even as a believer, for the longest time, I just struggled and struggled and struggled. And uh, I would work and, like, you know, like force myself to, to do stuff. To force myself to read a certain amount of time. And I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not knocking any disciplines. I just wonder where the root is, you know because I know that I used to force myself to do stuff all the way until I couldn't spend a minute talking to God. I probably didn't talk to him for several months because I was so sick of the religion of it, and I couldn't do it in my own strength anymore. And I got brought to the end of myself, and then I started realizing what the gospel says. I have to be pulled away from God. I have to be pulled away from this stuff. I, I, I just, I can't help it. I can't help it anymore. I'm possessed. I realized, that, I realized that he's hijacked my humanity. <laughs> and he's, I don't know where he begins and I end, And he just, he's inside of me. And he's, and he's we're, we're so much in union that I start realizing, oh, this is who you are. This is who you are. And then I, my will, I realized that even in his life, he was bending, bending the human will back to the will of the divine. And he was redeeming us. And bringing it, everything that was an Adam, and I can't say this enough, he flushed it down the grave and he raised us all up a new creation. That's the new creation reality and what he did. That's what baptism is all about and the sacraments are all about. Not saying, oh, we do this, therefore we're, no, no, you got to recognize what he did and you got to see yourself in that grave and raise back up. you got to smell the dirt yourself. Take your eyes off uh, yourself and look at what Jesus did and when you see what Jesus did, you start walking it out. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to close. I went a little, sorry, Pastor Greg, I went a little over. <laughs> if you didn't cut me off last week, we wouldn't have had to this. i All right. So, you know, guys, I just want to be free, you know, and I walk in liberty. And, and, you know, freedom doesn't mean like, like oh, I'm in, I'm in so, so much liberty that I can do whatever I want. No, that's the, uh, uh, you know, it empowers me to live that life, a life of more and more of less anger. And uh, the, you know it says the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, not the fruits of the Spirit, plural, the fruit of the Spirit, because Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. His Spirit is living in us. And the more I associate with Him, the more I start walking this stuff out, and the more I end up reading, and the more I get lost in Him, and I fast because I can't get away from Him. And all of, the, all of this stuff that I used to do out of a wrong motive, because now I rec- or recognize my union, it just flows. And I don't, I'm free to do it. I get to participate in it. It's actually fun. So I, I would just, you know, again, I, I, I really, I know that something that I've been called to do is just really communicate Identity. You know, uh, we, we, we look at certain identity stuff out in the world and we're so perplexed by it. and We don't have identity in the church. And this is where the, the, re, the deepest realities, which are spiritual realities, are going to be birthed into the world. They, it all starts here. This is the womb where Christ's realities get burn, bo, uh, born in the church. They start here. And, they, and, and like Pastor Doug said with the reconciliation, it all starts here. And then it starts manifesting into the world. So I really feel strongly about identity because I've had like an overnight transformation actually recognizing the reflection in the mirror. So I I just would, uh, anybody who's struggling at seeing themselves in that way, um, you know, I'd invite invite the prayer team up. uh, Let's walk out of here different because guess what? The the reality is going to be the reality regardless of how you feel. Regardless if you come up here or not or, you know, that, that reality is going to still be true what Christ did for us and that he, that he lives within us. That's the reality. And if, if we can just have our eyes open to this, you know. Paul just prayed that, man, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would fall and people, and people would just see what we're packing, what we have. All the fullness, all the completion, all the perfection. And it's and it's and it's the mis, most humble life because it has nothing to do with you, but you're the it's the freest life because you're so found in Him, and you're so found in His own righteousness, and you're so clothed with it, and and, it, and it's the Word within you, Jesus within you, the Holy Spirit and the Godhead in you just weaving into your humanity, and we started acting human. So I'm just going to invite the prayer team up and anybody who's struggling with, you know, just seeing themselves the way God sees you. That you could just come up and we can, just get, we can walk out of here different today and see it clearly who we are and be transformed into that image. Oh, so Lord, uh, yeah, I'm just going to pray real quick. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that before the foundations of the earth that we were chosen in you, that we were found in you, that you sent your son to do everything that we couldn't do, that he is the le- the elected one for us, that he was the perfect response to the Father, and we get to participate in his uh, close circle with you that he's allowed us to enter into. And, Lord, I just pray for the congregation right now, Lord, that you would just fill them with a spirit wisdom and revelation that their ears and hearts would be circumcised to see themselves a a, a, a light of who they really are in you. You know, he said greater works we would do. I could go on forever. He said uh, greater works that, that we would do than him. What's true of him is true of you. Might not see it, but that's, that's what, that's the reality. That's what he said. And the more we see it, the more we'll walk it out. So I just invite anybody up that wants prayer uh, just, you know, for anything, really. And and anything, uh, but, you know, specifically uh, identity and seeing themselves the way God does. Please come up. God bless.